Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who used to do surgery for girls in the 80s, but you know, gravity always wins. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. Also joining us is one of our favorite guest co-hosts. He's the man behind Wayne's hashtag, hashtag sidelined. He's a creep, he's a weirdo, and Wayne is asking him always, what the hell are you doing here? Here's Jeff Johnson. Good morning, fellas. Happy Sunday morning. Thanks for having me on. Yes, Sunday morning coming down for sure. All right. Uh, for this episode, we also have a special guest. His most recent record is called Save the Light. came out in June of 2020. Please welcome to the podcast singer-songwriter Andrew Maxwell Morris. Hello, everybody. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's sunny. It's I'm in just outside London, um, and we don't get much sun here, so I've got to enjoy it when it's here. There you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm good. All right. So, premise of our podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question. So, um, Wayne, let's start with you. What T-shirt are you wearing? I am wearing a not a surf T-shirt. Hey, fantastic. Very good. Uh, Jeff, how about you? In honor of uh, the five-year extension signed by George Kittle for the San Francisco 49ers, I'm wearing my George Kittle t-shirt today. Suck it, Seahawks. That's where I'm at. Uh, all right. Yeah, I did that for you, too. I did that for Wayne and Ben. Yeah, uh, you, you apologies did. Apologies, Andrew. That probably is something yeah, I, that... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what you said. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I no it it may sure not be the last time. <laughs> it's called American football. Yes, right. I know what that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, how about you, Andrew? What T-shirt are you wearing? Okay, so this is in honor of um, the best festival in the world, Glastonbury Festival, and um, I've been lucky enough to perform there the past eleven years. So this is a T-shirt from 2017, and. Um, it just reminds me of brilliant times playing to great audiences and just to feel I can close my eyes and I can imagine myself playing there. It's just a brilliant place. Brilliant. Place. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming the music festival is not happening this year. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a bit nervous about next year now, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just it's 200,000 people getting together in one place. And I think that's true. We over here are very, very panicky. Uh, I'm not sure it's the same over in the States, but we, we are very scared of, of everything at the moment. So um, we, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. No, I think we're all scared as well. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're all scared as well. But of each other sometimes more than the thing yeah. itself, you know. Uh, that that is very true. We'll 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 get we'll get to that. So um I'm not wearing a a t-shirt today, so I'm wearing a uh, a button-up polo because after we're done here, um we are having a little family celebration. My daughter is getting ready to go to college this week, and so we are uh celebrating her because she she just got her associate's degree. Uh, she was doing that at the same time that she was going to college, and so she is she is uh, off to, off to the university, as we say, and um, she's going in as a junior. So very proud of my daughter. Congrats to Morgan. Yes, congratulations. Yeah, congrats. So so um, 
So, Andrew, you mentioned you're from the UK, so just outside of London? Yeah, so I, I live just outside of London, but I'm not from, so I was born in Australia. but I Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was born in Melbourne, and um, I moved to the UK when I was nine. So okay. I've got a bit of an international family. My brother lives in Los Angeles. Um, That's where I live. Is it? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So he's been living there for the past eight, nine years. Um, my parents live in Australia, and I live in the UK, so it's a pretty sort of interesting family setup really yeah so what keeps you there in the uk considering that family is uh, is elsewhere well my wife um there you go she's okay. <laughs> that'll do it say no more say yeah, no more that's, that's it yeah so i live very near where her, her family are from so um just seemed like the yeah i, I like the uk I like the UK. Yeah, that, that's how Ben ended up in Florida too. <laughs> that's, I was I was just going to mention. I was like, everybody asked me, so you're from originally Washington, right? What are you doing in Florida? I'm like, I married a girl from Florida. I think end of got, story. I think you got the better end of that uh, deal, Andrew. I think uh, the UK is probably a better, place, <laughs> a better place to get stuck than Florida. Yeah, from what I've heard, Florida's yeah. It's, did they just not? <laughs> they didn't do any lockdown at all, did they, in Florida? Uh, they, um, they opened it up very early. So our, our governor is, uh, is definitely a, a, uh, a Trump lackey. Uh, that's probably the nicest thing I'm going to say about him. Uh, and, uh, so yeah, things got opened up a little too quickly here. Um, Orlando is not super, what I would call Republican, um, I think it's a it's an interesting melting pot of of people just because of the the touristy stuff around here. So there's been a lot more caution, I would say, in this area. But you know, we um, we went on vacation up to Georgia a couple weeks ago, and I got to tell you, the uh, uh, up there and even you know North Florida as we were coming back, like nobody was wearing masks um you know social distancing was not super important and we're you know and i'm i'm still super cautious i mean i'm i'm with you andrew i'm i'm still kind of freaked out by all of this mm. yeah i mean i i it's it's really affected every everyone really here in, in lots of different ways musicians you know we've had we've you know a lot of musicians have had their livelihoods taken away from them um, yeah. and it's, they're kind of the lowest down the order of priorities, um, which really saddens me, you know, that they would, they would kind of think of the musicians as being not as important as other parts of the economy, but yeah. you know, sad, but it'll get back to normal. It'll probably be all be better when it all does. So hopefully Fing fingers crossed. Yeah. I, w I was, I was just going to ask you, so how, do, how are people in the UK viewing us Americans right now? <laughs> I thought you said this was PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to, to be honest with you, um, the, from my point, my part is that I just feel that as time goes on, our two countries have become more different and more different um, yeah. than each other. That's really the main thing. It's just kind of summarizing it, I suppose. But it, you guys, your, your system of democracy is different to ours, really. You know, the way you, the government is different to ours. You know, the people are different. Um, you know, it's just we look at it as a bit of a sort of um, entertainment show, you know. 
some of it. <laughs> but 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 I've been to the states quite a few times, and you know, I love LA, for example. Um, but America is a massive country, you know. Yeah. So many different um, places to go and visit, and but yeah. That's- is it is it the way that we've handled the the pandemic, or is it just the 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 crap show that's in the White House right now? Well, I haven't been following exactly what's been going on in the um, exactly how you guys have handled the pandemic because obviously I'm trying to work out what the hell's going on here. Yeah, because um, it changes on a daily basis. A lot of a lot of the things we can and can't do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we just we just get figures thrown at us. You know, this is how many mm-hmm. people got it. This is how many people. So we just look at it as being big figures, and then there really is a lot of you know uncertainty here. So. I can't say I've paid too much attention to 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 all sure. I know is from my brother is that LA is still in some kind of curfew I think um or it was a few weeks ago. Uh we've never had a curfew here or anything like that. So um yeah. Your government trusts you more than our government trusts us <laughs> no, apparently. No, yeah, no no one would no one would stick to a curfew here. It just wouldn't yeah. happen. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about music because I'm okay. I'm sick of talking about government <laughs> and <laughs> pandemic crap. All right. So, uh, so you reached out to us a couple months ago and you were like, "Hey, you uh, mind listening to my new record? Maybe sharing it?" And I said, "Why don't we do one better? Why don't you just come on the podcast and we'll talk about it and promote it for you?" Right. So, um, Thank you. and then of course talk about one of your favorite records too. So absolutely, I'm. I feel so lucky. I can talk about this record like this. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll 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 try and make it so that you don't regret reaching out to us after all this is done. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, so so new records called Save the Light. Uh, yeah. Listen to uh, some of your earlier stuff as well. So I think this record sounds a, a a little bit different than than previous stuff. What what do you point as the difference between uh, this record and some of the other records that you've made? So this record took a lot longer. So it took probably three and a half to three and a half years to make. Um, but that doesn't really mean that I was working on it constantly for three and a half years. It's just yeah, I wrote some songs, I worked on them, and then I started working with a producer. And then um, what I did with him was quite um, took quite some time, and I wanted him his sound to be imp- imprinted on the songs. So. I was. I really was a lesson in patience for me, to be to be honest, um, because you just want your music out there when you finish it and you think it sounds good, and when you can't do that, it really teaches you to just be patient and wait and wait for for the right time. But um, it's really the time that it took. Also, that I was using. I'm using different instruments. I'm using more electric guitars than I did before. More ambient sounds, um, and now obviously I've grown up. Uh, write about different things, more experience in recording, all that sort of stuff together, really. Yeah. Did did you self-produce the the previous records? Yes, I self-produced them. Yeah. Yeah. So what what's the difference between um you know having having an extra ear, having a producer on there what you know I think Wayne we've we've brought this up multiple times on 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 shows where we're like, you know, you probably could have used an outside voice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Neil Young can use a producer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think producers who are really good nowadays are few and far between because every every musician has the capability to record very, very high quality stuff on their own in their own home. So to actually have a producer where you've got to go somewhere else and potentially give away some of your royalties or, or, or pay a fee 
is it puts people off because I think, well, I can do it myself. Um, where, whereas the point of producer is that you give them a raw song and they will take it in a direction which you never would have taken it in, but still make it sound like you. That's what's, that's what's so great about it. Um, particularly someone that you know well, that you trust and that understands your sound. See, the, the, the guy that I worked with in this album um, he's a guy called Dave Megan, and he's a um, very experienced producer. Um, he, he's, he's not a f- full-time producer anymore because um, the industry got to a point where I don't think he could, he could make a living from it. Um, not that he wasn't a great producer. It's just that he, he wasn't able to make a living. Um, yeah. And what he did is, first of all, he, pick, he, he made it clear to me the songs he thought were the best ones, which is always a useful thing. I mean, because a lot of musicians think most of the songs they write are, are really good. <laughs> so, so to get someone to say, "Yeah, that's good," but this one's really good, um, is is really useful. And the other thing is, I, I can concentrate on playing the instrument, um, singing, and p- playing the bass or, or whatever I was doing, and not worry about how the final product is going to be put together. So you're kind of thinking about it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, Wayne. Um we we're getting ready to release our guided by voices episode and somebody probably should have told Robert Pollard that maybe he doesn't need to he doesn't need to release every single song. Yep. Not everything's gold. Yeah. It's, it's, I was, I was told by again, Dave Megan, who's a friend of a friend of mine, you know, we've become good friends. Um, that the best thing to do is to put things into different categories. So category A, category B, category C, and just be really reflective of your own songs. But it is hard. It is definitely yeah. hard. Let's talk about a couple of the songs. So I really dig Lost My Soul. Yeah. So uh, who, who, who'd you write that for? Who'd I write it for? Uh, <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't write it for, for anyone in particular. Um, okay. I know it, does sound, it probably does sound like that. Um, but it's more just about like giving up a lot of yourself to someone. Um, and you know basically yeah that i mean it's not it, it's it's more like a kind of a um a melodic kind of rock song you know catchy song easy to listen to but i wouldn't say it's got a massively deep um meaningful story to it does it sound like it does yeah that oh, okay. that, that that that's that's my favorite on the on on your record okay I tried to settle down And I tried to find my space Important though you think you are And I gave up everything And I'm counting The song Haunt Me. Cool tune. Uh, oh, yeah. Title is very telling about the feel of the song. So um, I'm assuming that's where you had outside production 
Absolutely, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so that that one was in 18 months in the making, um, multiple versions, multiple revisions. So that sort of uh, electric guitar sound is a very new sound for me. I would not never use, I never use that sound. I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't be able to get that sound if I did it myself. So um, that, that one... Um, started off with just a demo, like just just electric guitar and voice. I did a rough demo. I gave it to Dave, just like that, and he created. You can hear that, that the production is brilliant on it, and you know the way he created it and um, put mandolin on there, put acoustic guitar on there. Um, but that's quite. A, it's kind of quite a dark song, but it, it's also the chorus. Um, it's supposed to. It's kind of the words are dark, but actually, it's it's not. Doesn't sound like it's still quite uplifting. I hope a little bit anyway. But yeah. So real quick, Andrew, on something like that where a producer jumps in and, and reshapes a sound, how does that how does that impact how you're able to do it live? Okay, that's that's a really good question because for that song, um, I would I would have to basically ask him how do I do it live because, <laughs> because it is a challenge. Because what's hard is that you you spend ages in the studio getting it to that stage, and I've never performed that song live like that because yeah. um, I've been so concentrated on recording it. Um, so I actually don't know how I'm going to do it live, but when I ever get to play it live, which I was hoping to do a couple, obviously a couple of months ago, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a bit of a challenge and it probably won't sound like that. Probably sound a bit different to that. Yeah. I was going to say right now, it doesn't matter because nobody's matter. playing live. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The mandolin, look, if you put mandolin in your song, I'm probably going to like it. Okay. <laughs> That, was, that, that wasn't my idea. Love me some mandolin. Um, it, it, anyone want to uh, throw out their favorite mandolin song? Uh, Come back down. There you uh, go. Toe of the West Rocket. Wow. Yeah. Wayne, you got anything? I just I'm thinking of Mandolin Wind by Rod Stewart. Well, Maggie May is that that has Maggie some, May. Some, That's some good good mandolin. That that would be up there for me. Losing my religion. Yeah, that was I was going to say. Then I thought that, that REM song "Country Feedback" has got mandolin in it, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I've uh, been so into REM recently. I don't know why. I just really got into it. Never got it when I was younger, but for some reason, I just started to really get it. Uh, if you, yeah, and if you want to hear, um, you know, three guys that grew up during the '90s um, talk about uh, "Automatic for the People," we we we've done that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and 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 they um they were a big influence on the band that you chose today too. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. There you go. With this record, how how has the state of the world affected your ability to kind of promote it? Because I'm assuming you were planning on doing some live live stuff, and so with this day and age of you know musicians not being able to travel, how how are you getting your 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 songs out there? Okay, so um, so far as promotions concerned, I've just tried to get it to as many blogs reviews as I possibly could. Um, I've done um, some live uh, video streaming, but um, I have found trying to get that right really difficult because it's a really different way of using my recording setup. Yeah. And to get it to actually sound, have good sound quality, is not that easy. And for me, uh, it, it, it is nothing near like playing live. And it's just playing to silence effectively. Um, but I, I want to do a, a live streaming gig cause I'm releasing it on vinyl, the album on vinyl and I wanted to oh, do cool. it for that. So I've just had the vinyl delivered actually the other day. Um, and I wanted to do it for that. If you want to see someone who's doing that really well, and, and I don't know how much you can take from watching it or if you were to reach out or something like that, but Glenn Phillips, um, of toe of the wet sprocket, he's doing, you know, I think four times a week he's doing living room shows and it's one of the best that I've seen in terms of sound and, you know, I mean, adjusting to the okay. fact that he's reading comments off of the Facebook live, uh, okay. seeing it. So he gets some interaction and he's figuring out how to have that, have a feel, but it's one of the best I've seen in terms of, uh, of that. So he's, he's on Facebook, just Glenn Phillips or at toe the wet sprocket, I think has the streams as well. Okay. Now I'll, I'll check that out. Um, I know some, some other musicians here who've, who've been doing it, but uh, to be honest with you, I'm just a little nervous about getting into it because uh, it's just outside of my comfort zone. I know people have to adapt, but I'm the same way about I, it. I hope that doesn't sound too, too silly, but I just, I'm the same way with uh, doing stand up comedy right now that there's a lot of comics that are doing, they're doing zoom shows and things like that. And to me, it's just, it's a weird thing to not have the same audience interaction and, and uh, it just doesn't feel quite right. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you. It's just out of my comfort zone. It's not what I enjoy about it. Um, yeah, I like being on a stage in front of people, and I, I get that immediate sort of yep. feedback in, in what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. We're we're used to talking in microphones at this point, Andrew. So we're <laughs> and 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 not having any any feedback whether or not uh, people are entertained by what we're doing. So yeah. <laughs> so, so we're. We're, I think we're used to that. Wayne or Jeff, anything else that you want to talk about uh, with Andrew about his, his music before we dive into his record choice? Yeah, I, I can say the song. I didn't listen to the new one per se. I listened to a, a couple of songs off uh, Spotify. I really like Black Dog. Uh, All right. I know it, it, it just uh, – reading the lyrics, it, 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 I, it just reminds me of my Black Dog. So it always, and it does have a very nice, very like kind of a very positive energy. Um, but it, I can say the love of my life is a 12 year old black lab. So, okay. It's not the Led Zeppelin song. In other words, no, 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 no. I mean, another great song named black dog, but yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, anything? No, no. I, I like the same songs that you do off of it. Those are the ones that stuck out. I love the mandolin. Um, and I do hear the production on it. That was what I was curious and why I had the question about playing it live. And because I've always had that question about that when you get producers in and what they bring to the equation. I think what you said, Andrew, in terms of people having access to um, 
less expensive means of recording themselves, I think it's easy to kind of talk yourself into the fact that you don't need someone else. And, and I do think that there's something that a really good producer can bring to, to an album. And so I think it's great that you, you went that route, but I, I'm always curious as to when they change things, you know, how do you translate that into a live show? So, yeah, it, yeah. it is. And obviously the producers who are good and, you know, have their own sound that, um, again, how do I get that to sound their sound in my song live? That's, that's, right. that's the issue. But um, I, I do think that there is a thing where because people have access to equipment that is less expensive these days, it's the same thing in post-production, you know, for editing people having access to it doesn't mean that they necessarily have the mastery of, of those things the same way. And there are some, some skilled players that you can put in the mix. And, and uh, when it yeah. comes to audio production, I, I think that that's, that's definitely present in a lot of places. A lot of, a lot of my really favorite great albums have been pr- produced by really great producers. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't think any of my, any of my favorite albums haven't had a, I mean, back in, you know, back in the Laurel Canyon days in LA, um, an artist wouldn't go along and not have a producer no. uh, to, yeah. make, to make an album. And and why do we go back to that music as being like the the most sort of, it, it's kind of pure form of the, the art really. Um, and they all had someone there to help them. So why are we any different just because we've got technology, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, th- and I think that even if you don't have maybe the monetary means to have a producer, you got to have some other, either musicians who have done it or music lovers who are willing to provide some, some feedback and, and provide honest feedback. I think that that's, mm. um, you know, being associated with, with a few musicians here in, in central Florida. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I provided some feedback to, to one musician because he's super talented Mm -hmm. and um you know he's putting together a band and and uh i've seen him live a couple times and i kind of gave him some feedback and um after i gave him the feedback um my emails and my text uh stopped being answered (laughs) oh dear right and 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 it's like i'm not trying to you know, be super critical, but I'm, I'm letting you know of what I'm hearing from, from other people. I'm hearing from, from musicians who are known to be at the top of their craft. And I'm just giving you some feedback. I'm not trying to tell you to change your sound. I'm definitely not trying to do that, but I think that, that musicians just have to have kind of this, um, this, I was gonna I was gonna use the word humility, but I, I, humility and musicianship is not always synonymous. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know just uh, just having an open mind of of being able to. I, I'm I'm not even sure where I'm going with this. I, 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 I let me take 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 this up because I've got a, a thing about feedback, and it's not like this guy that you're talking about. I just I don't invite it. Because I so I spend so much time on the art that I'm creating and the sound that I'm trying to get. If I ask a friend of mine um, to 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 listen to it and they tell me they don't like it, that will affect me in the middle of what I'm doing with the song. So I don't ask for it. I mean, yeah. it's different when, like the producer, like with Dave, for example, 
I trust him and he he would say but it's just you know when you work with someone like that it's it's the way it's done you know it's not it's done subtly it's not done like oh that's not very good you know <laughs> it's done in a subtle way um but I see what you mean about feedback it's really difficult with, with music I've, I've I've done the same thing and someone's asked me you know listen to my EP listen to the EP give like very neutral honest feedback and then then basically say yeah I agree with you it's not very good is it and I was thinking, that's not what I said, you know, <laughs> but, but what can you do? What can you do? If, if you reach out for feedback, you've got to be really, really open. Yeah. And it's not personal to you. It's music, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's not, music is really subjective, isn't it? And, right. And, and to be fair, he asked me for feedback. Oh, did he? <laughs> okay. So, he, so. He's asking you for feedback, thinking you're going to say something nice to him about his music. Right, brilliant, and and but it, when it wasn't, he's thinking, "Well, hold on." Which I did. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I did. But oh, you did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's just you know, it's it's those minor tweaks. I'm not going to tell somebody. I mean, look, I think we've been doing this for how many episodes, Wayne? And I can honestly say that I can count on two fingers the records that I didn't like that we've talked about. And because yeah. I because I can because I can always find something. And even in those two records that I didn't like, I found some stuff that I liked. You know, there it's I think it's just a, a, a matter of being able to provide constructive feedback in, in a way that's not tearing the art down, but you're still able to to say, what if you made this tweak? What if what if that? guitar sound that you're trying to that you're trying to to do was replaced with a mandolin well yeah exactly yeah i mean just as an example ben i mean when you started this podcast uh I, you know we've been friends uh i don't know what 30 years now 30 something yeah. years and uh i gave you a bunch of feedback <laughs> like i wasn't <laughs> shy about it like I was like, I love what you're doing, and but here's some things that, and, and you were really good about. It. You took what you took, you didn't take what you didn't take, and you know, but you didn't shut off the feedback. You were open to it, and uh, you know, sometimes that's what we have to do. And I'm same thing with comedy. I have to listen to, you know, and sometimes you have to listen and understand the perspective someone else is coming from, and sometimes they're telling you to do stuff that doesn't fit your style or your voice, and you go, I appreciate that, but I'm also not them, you know, and and so right. I have to I have to learn to listen to all of the feedback and know which fits me and which doesn't. Um, but listen to it all so that I don't tune it out and miss some great things. And I've been given some really, really great uh, taglines or, you know, punchlines or whatever throughout the years because I listen. And if I hadn't listened, I'd have missed out on a lot of really, really cool stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I took a stand up path. Yeah. You did. Usually I do that, but uh yeah, it, well, lately it's been me. All right. So I will fr- I will freely admit that. Wayne Wayne every once in a while will stop me, but usually he <laughs> yeah. just sits back and he's like, "You yeah, go just, down your path." That's yeah, just just boy, just watch it happen. Swat. <laughs> All right, so Andrew, tell us tell tell our listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode. Okay, so I chose the um, 1995 album by Radiohead called The Bends. Excellent. Uh, any other records that you uh, thought about? Yes. Um, no, I can't remember the ones <laughs> I suggested to you. Because um, we, we talked at one point about possibly doing a, a Dylan record. and yeah, um, uh, 
so me and Dylan um, have have a thing, which is that I don't listen to him. I listen to him in a in like for a three month period, then I don't listen to him for like nine months, and then <laughs> it's weird. It's like at certain times, maybe I have the going same on in my life. With Dylan. <laughs> but too. I really obsessively listen to it, so I'll listen to it, you know, um, over and over again. So I was going to do Dylan, but then I realised that it, to talk about it might not be that interesting. Um, what else did I suggest? I actually asked you, um, have you heard of Radiohead the Benz? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Late for the Sky, that's one of my favourites, Jackson Brown. Yeah, um, and we'd already done that, so that that's why we I shot you down on that one. Yeah, I absolutely love that album. I, I, when I recorded, recorded my first EP, the producer who was working with me, sorry, the engineer who was working with me said, you need to listen to two albums. One of them is this, and just gave me Late for the Sky. I've ne- never heard of it before. And it yeah. just blew my mind. And he was only, what, 21 at the time when he wrote that album? Amazing. Yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah, D- Dylan, so I um, uh, recently I, I listened to Love and Theft only because uh, of us doing a Sheryl Crow episode that has Mississippi on it. Mm-hmm. I think, Wayne, you probably went down the same path I did for that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I've been listening to some of the eighties Dylan stuff, which I think is really underappreciated. Like I, I listened to empire burlesque, which Mm. there there's, there's some hits and there's some misses on that, but infidels is a fantastic record. What an album. Yeah. 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 I have a, I have this love hate with Dylan. Uh, I love me too. I love to listen to his, um, his albums. And then I've seen him five times live and not one of them has been a good experience. And, yeah. and it's very tough for me when somebody is not, not only not great live, um, and cause he can be, and his band is amazing live. It's more like he just doesn't feel like he cares to be there when I've seen him all five times. So it's not like mm-hmm. a one off, a one bad night. Uh, so it's really, I, I, that's why I get in that mode where it's like I'm reminded I need to go listen to Dylan and I'll, I'll binge it for, you know, a couple of months at a time. And then I kind of fall out of it a little bit again, because I'm reminded, like, I just don't like the live shows. And, and that's a big factor for me in, in, in who I really have a, a bigger love affair with in terms of music. Yeah. All right. So back, back to Radiohead. So this is the second studio album, uh, was released, as you said, in 1995. And it was, Produced by an outside voice and engineered by an outside voice. So John Leckie, Phil Leckie, it was what's that? Phil Leckie. Oh, okay. Well, thanks, thanks, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> oh no, is it John it, Leckie? I think I, it, I think it's John. Oh, I got it. Why, why did I put it down in my notes wrong? Sorry. Can you edit that part out so I don't sound like a dummy? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, um, right. But I, but um, I, I wanted to bring up Nigel uh, Godrich, who is the he's he's been the their engineer from, I think from the start. Right? Was he also on Pablo Honey? No, he was not. I don't think okay. Nigel Godrich was. I think this is the first album that Godrich was. He did engineering on this one, and then he produced everything after. Yeah, after this. Is, is all his production. He produced one song on this, Black Star, um, and he produced everything after this. Yeah. Because he's, he's really credited for being uh, like a George Martin. Is that, is that pretty accurate? 
he's credited for their sound for sure. He's a big, big, he's like a, another member of, they, they refer to him as another member of Radiohead the way they did with George Martin as the fifth Beatle. Yeah. So it's, it's very similar kind of a relationship. And real quick, before you move on from uh, John Leckie, who I got wrong, uh, do you know what, do you know what other <laughs> album he produced Ben that you and I absolutely love? Uh, I'm probably going to kick myself when I say you I absolutely don't. are going to kick yourself. Uh, Posey's dear 23 produced, that album our really yep okay one of our favorite albums that is one of my favorite albums uh, he also produced uh, stone roses so he was a big stone roses producer as well oh that's right that's right i forgot about the stone roses thing he was, all right yeah he was an abbey road a uh, longtime abbey road producer so so andrew this this record was it looks like based off of what i'm reading was much more popular in the UK than it was in the U S even though there was, you know, some, some, some decent play here in the U S and we'll talk about a couple of those, those songs, but, um, this record reached number four on the UK album chart. And I don't, I think it peaked in the U S at like what number 88 or something like that. Yeah, 88 i think I heard. so so what why was why was it more embraced in the uk than it was in the u.s is it because they're from the uk i think yeah it's 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 a mixture of that but also this is this is during what we call the brit pop era brit pop area of music so yeah you know um <clears throat> blur and oasis um and it, it's just the sound of the album has a, an indie um it's an indie guitar based album mostly obviously it's it's a brilliant album with lots of different types of um, genres of music in it, but it came at the time when a British band was playing indie guitar music um, at the same time as indie guitar music was on the rise. Like it was that was the main type of music that was going on in the country. So that's probably yeah. why. Although they really got dismissed uh, on Pablo Honey in the in the Brit uh, as sort of a they got called things like you know a. a British Nirvana, and it was sort of, you know, acted as if it was just derivative. So this was a big bounce back for them after that album in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly because I think, as you guys said, like this uh, Nigel, Nigel Godrich guy, um, even though he was only engineering it, <clears throat> he actually started to create their sound. And I think they say that, that this is the time when their sound actually started because Pablo Honey is more like a, a young experimental type. They're trying to work out what the sound is. Um, obviously they had that song creep, which was a massive hit, um, of Pablo honey. I think it was. Yeah. 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 Which I think a lot of this album is a reaction to. I think there's a lot of things on this album that are written specifically based on how they feel about creep and how they feel about the pressures of creep and dealing with the, uh, sort of quick meteoric rise of creep. Why do they hate that song so much? I think they hate the circumstance that it created. I think they hate the fact that it created expectations that they were just going to create a bunch more, um, uh, more versions of creep is really what it comes down to. I don't think that yeah. they would hate the song. I think they hate uh, the way that it, that it exploded and created an expectation of just recreating that thing over and over and over again. But they don't play it live. Not, not really. <laughs> no, not a lot. Um, I've seen them. I've seen them five times. I don't, I don't think I've seen it once. Yeah. I have seen it live. Have you? I have I've performed by Tears for Fears. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> I I saw them at Glastonbury when they played three three or four years ago, um, but it's it's very difficult to really listen to the sound there because it's such a huge right. stage, so many people, and you don't really get the 
Um, and they didn't play creep. No, so. no. Um, did you guys realize that this is on the Rolling Stone top 500 yep, very, albums of all time? Very high. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a little high. Not a little high. It is right where it belongs. <laughs> this is this is one of my top ten albums. This is one of my top ten albums. Oh, so you're a proper fan. That's I'm great. a huge huge fan. Oh, great, great. I'm a I'm a Radiohead fan, but I this is my favorite Radiohead album by far. And this is one of my Desert Island discs. If I if wow. I had to take ten discs, this is an album I take with me. Um, oh, wow. This is okay. I think this is a brilliant album. So I was super excited that you picked this. To me, this one is. Um, uh, this one still, I love that this still retains a rock band. Like it, re- it retains the alternative rock part of it, um, where with augmentation of digital and technological embellishments, as opposed to becoming more electronic, the way a lot of the subsequent albums feel. Um, you know, I still like those, but this is the one to me that like really still has that real visceral rock uh, element to it. Yeah, yeah, and we'll 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 chat about the the rest of Radiohead's catalog as we get through a couple songs that um, Jeff, I will go on record of saying that uh, you and I are differing strongly sure. uh, because of your, uh, you, you've, you've kind of kept with Radiohead. I'm just going to go on record. This is, this was the last Radiohead record that I bought. Um, I know that you and I have had, plenty of conversations over the years of how um, ridiculous I am that I don't share your love of okay computer, for instance. Yeah. And, um, and again, I, a lot of my, a lot of my musical preference ends up being cemented based on live performance. And I've seen them five times and it was absolutely brilliant. Every time I've seen them, they're so, so good live and they bring, they bring life to, to these songs uh, in a live setting that I wouldn't expect necessarily a band that seems more electronic to be able to do um, at that point. And, and it's just even songs that I don't like on albums when I hear them live are just phenomenal. Well, I mean, I, 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 I definitely changed my opinion of the Decemberists, another band that uh, you've tried to get me to love forever because I finally did see them live and it was a great experience. So Maybe somewhere down the road, I'll be able to see Radiohead live. Maybe um, once this whole pandemic crap is over. So, all right, um, personnel. Let let me, let me see how, how good Jeff is without get, having to go to Google. So, um, anyone able to to say any other band members besides Tom York, Johnny Greenwood, John Johnny Johnny and Colin Greenwood, Ed O'Brien. Uh, Phil Selway is the drummer. And you're not looking at Google? No, no. I'm proud of you. <laughs> All right, I'm proud of you. No, and Johnny Greenwood does a lot of the uh, does a lot of movie scores now as well. He does the almost all the Paul Thomas Anderson stuff. Um who of course has done music videos uh for him as well. I thought that was uh, uh Jean Brion who who does those. Am I wrong? No, after there will be blood. Um, Johnny Greenwood, I think is I think he's done all the. Jean Brion did like uh, I think Punch Drunk Love, but I think from there will be blood on uh, has I think has all been Johnny Greenwood. Oh, okay. Did not know that. All right, really good film score. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's get to our track by track. So as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Twelve. 
which means our top song is going to get 12 points. Next favorite, 11 on down to lowest score of one. Let's kick this off. This is Planet. Is it Telex? Yes. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Planet Telex. And uh, this was released as a double A-side in March of 95, um, along with the song High and Dry, which we'll talk about here in, in a moment. So, so, Andrew, get us started with, with this. Is this, a, is this a good album opener? Tell us about Planetelix. Planetelix is a sort of um, looped drum beat song with a delayed... Um, guitar sound, which kind of uh, introduces Radiohead's newish sound. It's very different to Pablo Honey. Um, a great production. Uh, sits on its own. I mean, each song on this album is so individual, I think. But this one, um, when it starts the album, just, just sort of kicks off that new sound. Um, do you want to know my score? No, not yet. Not so, yet. Not yet. So, so I would say, and, and let me see if everybody kind of agrees, they put this on as the first track to make the statement of you're not listening to Pablo honey. Is that accurate? I think so. I want that's going to yeah. be right. Yeah. I think it's got a cool atmospheric opening sound that really differentiates it from just, you know, the straight rock, maybe of, of Pablo honey. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, what, what else you got on this, on this song? I mean, that's, that covers it. I just think it's a, it's a cool opening. Um, it's not my favorite song on this album by any stretch, but there's not there's honestly there's not a song on this album that I dislike at all. So there's there's scores that'll be lower that I, I it's just where I'm at. I, there's not a single song on this that I that I have any disdain for. I like every song on this album. All right, Wayne, anything on this before um, we get scores? Yeah, and like you said, uh, this was initially higher, and I think listening to it because I have the CD. Um, I don't think I got it in '95, but. Uh, I did take a look and I posted on Instagram I, I, to just to kind of get what I was listening to. I was clearly listening to alternative rock radio and this, this didn't get a lot of plays here. I mean, I remember fake plastic trees, um, but this, this record it, and this is the one that this record made me, I'm going to give okay computer another chance. I've done it three or four times, but I'm going to give it another chance me too. because this is, this is really a solid record. I like this as an opening track because it's a little bit like with that echoey effect on the guitar, it gives it just a little bit weirder effect, like you were saying, than Pablo Honey, just to show them that they are going to go in a different direction. And lyrically, I liked, and there's another song, that I'm sure it's in my notes, but it's the lyrics sound like like a love affair, but I think it definitely could be more of that fame, and the, especially that last refrain of, why can't you forget about Creep? Um, it, it definitely had a duality to the lyrics. What's your score on this one? A five. And then Jeff? Uh, this is a four. And then Andrew, your score? Four. And this is my six, which leads us to the next song, which is the title track, which is The Benz. 
Everybody know what the Benz is? Yeah. Yeah. Decompression yes. sickness. Yeah, it's a diving. It's a diving sickness. It's coming up too fast. Nope. Uh, puts puts uh, nitrogen, I think, in your bloodstream. Is I think how it works. I yeah. think that's yeah. Uh, I'm a diver. I, I should know more about that, but uh, I just know I'm not <laughs> yeah. supposed to get it. I'm supposed to. I know to, to avoid it. To, I'm, I'm supposed to um, slow my ascent to get there, and that's kind of I think the message of the song in a great respect is that I think it's about their meteoric rise to notoriety. Um, I think that that creep launched them up fast enough to sort of give them the, the bends in terms of their feeling uh, of not wanting to be you know just shoved into whatever that box was so um uh, i don't love the background noise at the beginning of this song um whatever that that is to get from the uh, from planet telex into this one the little mm-hmm. murmuring or whatever but once it kicks in the, the guitar opening is just fantastic yeah um, so- sonically this isn't my favorite song on the record but i think the lyrics themselves are pretty genius really i mean likening decompression sickness to having too much too fast yeah is just i i think that that's a that's great imagery and the, the lyrics the lyrics throughout this album are really if you read the lyrics they're really cool um they're they're more poetic they're they radiohead gets a mo- more esoteric as they go along and this album still has i think a lot more sort of poetry to it um okay. and how they how they describe things Andrew, what do you got on uh, the bends? It was never a song that would be in my sort of top top parts of this album, but I, um, I like Jeff said, this is an extraordinary album in every way. So I can't. They, they're all brilliant. They're just some are more brilliant than others. And this one just um, it, it it it's 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 great. The lyrics are brilliant. Um, I love the bit where it's just lying in the bar with my drip feed on the way that the drums um, sort of kind of half t- double time the song and then it goes back to straight time and um they're all great songs i don't know what to say <laughs> yeah uh, it's just it's just um this one's not quite got the emotional um doesn't bring out the emotion in me in the same way as some of the others do that's the right. only difference okay a- andrew andrew we didn't i didn't quite get a chance to ask you you know in terms of your fandom of radiohead uh, you are you just a huge overall radiohead fan as well no, I wouldn't say that. Okay, but so it's this I, I, album specifically that you have a real affinity for. Yeah, so when I this album came out when I was fifteen. Okay, and um, it it's it just has such a an emotional sort of attachment with me because when I was listening to it, I was um, I was at school, I was at boarding school, I was away from my family, I was writing songs for the first time. And it just, it's like this music is, was made, um, it's like the perfect music for me, this, this, this album. And it kind of made me think, what do I want to do as a musician? So I have that kind of attachment to it. Um, you know, obviously, um, there's some great, other great Radiohead songs as well. And I've got some more, more into it as time's gone on. But this, this, stands, it, this stands out as a piece of art. Doesn't matter what band did it, it would still be brilliant. Do you see what yeah, I mean? yeah, I'm, it's, I'm it's with a you on piece that. Of, yeah, yeah. All right, Andrew, your score on this one? Um, my score on the Benz was three. And then and then Wayne? I give it an eight. This one I love. I love how it has almost like a corporate rock uh, opening, something like you'd hear on the first Boston record, but then it, it fades away really quick. Um, <laughs> and then I, lo- I do, I love the lyrics, which once again, it, it could be about, 
a couple of different things, but that that media their their ascension um, so fast. Uh, that's a that's a beautiful way to put it, um, and it creates this great paranoia with that that in this that verse with the gunboat and the CIA, which this any mention of the CIA usually creates some sort of paranoia anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at one point this I thought was going to be my favorite song. So your score of eight is more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. <laughs> All right. All right, Jeff, your score? I'm a six on this one. All right, and this is my seven. I couldn't, I couldn't pass up a Boston reference. Oh, Come absolutely. On. All right, uh, all right. Uh, next song, High and Dry. Since I get the benefit of seeing everybody's scores in advance, so Wayne, um, what do you what do you like about High and Dry? And you know what i I didn't want this to be my favorite score. I, I didn't. I wanted to, and I did find some some gems in here that I that I that weren't singles. Uh, but ultimately, this chorus is just killer, and it and it and I couldn't I couldn't fight it as much as I tried. And and the you know the protagonists, you know this. This, I mean, like all this depression and um, not only longing for recognition, but also imposter syndrome and even impotence. So all of these these emotional, you know, this all. I mean, he's p- brilliant. Like I say, it was putting it out in the best thing ever. That that line, the best thing ever you ever had, doesn't feel like this about. It's just I don't know. It it just he had it. It was a great song um, for all that for all that and more, but the, the, the chorus is just killer. Yeah. And I mentioned that this was part of that, uh, double a side with, uh, planet Telex chart position in the UK, uh, number 17. Is that, is that all? Yeah. And well, it, is that all we could say that in the U S so billboard hot 100 number 78, but it was number 18 on the alternative, which Wayne, we've, we've talked about many times that during mid nineties, that's pretty much all we were listening to was alternative music. Yeah. That's uh, that's our mind space. Um, Andrew did, did uh, considering that it was a little bit higher chart position in the UK, was this a song that got a lot of play during that time? Oh, I I can't really speak. I mean, I was I was fifteen at the time, and I was I was I was I was in boarding school. I don't even know whether I even had a radio, um, <laughs> so I can't I can't remember it being being massive on radio. Yeah, um, yeah. This one has this really almost hypnotic rhythmic feel, which is really cool. There's something about the it's this this percussive pace that goes along with it that really just sort of lulls you in uh, to sort of drifting away, which is, I, I always have thought that's very, very cool about this. And then his real soaring high, almost falsetto type vocals. Um, it's a real peaceful song in some ways for, uh, for having lyrics that are not that peaceful. Yeah. I mean, from a musician's, from a musicianship point of view, the rhythmic parts of this song are absolutely brilliant. So you've got the, the acoustic guitar doing this amazing strum pattern um, using sort of the octaves and then 
that with the drum beat, the way he plays the drums to that rhythmic part, um, and then the drums develops. It's just a beautifully written piece of musicianship, you know, the, the rhythmic part of it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Andrew got a question on the lyrics. So when, when he says, when you think you've got the world all sussed out, is sussed out a, a, a phrase that's used in the UK? Yeah, yeah. So it means when you've got it all figured out. Okay. All right. it, it is used, yeah. It's a bit of a sort of... Um, I mean, we don't use it as much um, th- these days, but yeah, it's definitely British. I'm going to start using it. <laughs> Use it on my kids. Oh, you think you got this all sussed That's out, right. huh? There you go. All right. All right. Perfect. All right. Let's get some scores. Uh, Jeff? Uh, this is my eight. This is where the score, the scoring is very tough. <laughs> it's yeah. eight. Andrew? Seven. Wayne? Twelve. Like I say, all the, all of, not only the chorus and the lyrics, but the guitar work, like I say, the acoustic guitar, and then they got that electric guitar arpeggiating chords. It just, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I didn't want this to be as high as it is for me either, but it's my 10. So, all right. Uh, next song is Fake Plastic Trees. I can't I can't hear this song without thinking the music video. Yep. One of my favorite music videos of all time. It's just it's a beautiful video. Do you know who directed the music video? I bet you're going to say Paul Thomas Anderson. No. Uh, this, oh. is pre, this is pre that. It was directed by Jake Scott. He's the son of of, of Ridley Scott. Oh. Hey, oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. I know a couple things. But he also directed what I'm guessing is one of your favorite videos. Uh, Everybody hurts. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah. And it it has that sort of same existentialist, um, you know, sort of dread. And, and he said it's this, this video is kind of about life, life and death and reincarnation. Uh, And then fun fact, there's a young Norman Reedus in the video, uh, pre walking dead fame. He, uh, Yeah, very. Uh, you know, you see him a few times in there, but that's uh, he's in this video. I'm gonna. Have uh, but to yeah, watch it's it again. this one is pretty inextricably linked in my head to the video as well. I'm the same way, where I, I almost can't see it. There's a couple of songs on this album that are that way, and this is the first. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that other video. Oh yeah, cause, yeah. Because because I'm gonna yeah we're we're gonna talk about that. All right, uh, UK singles chart number twenty, US alternative number eleven. So. Um, so did, did have a little, little play that, here in the U S this was the first single, I think in the U S wasn't it, uh, high and dry was, was it? Yeah. Oh, believe it or not. Um, yeah. Now, whether or not high and dry really did much until fake plastic trees, I don't know. I would have to do a little more research and, uh, Wayne, what do you got on fake plastic trees? Well, this song this is one of those songs that I always associate with Radiohead because like Creep and Karma Police, which is another one of my favorites, it, this that real 
atmospheric feel, this really big echoey, you know, but with this great acoustic guitar over it. And Tom York like really subtly paints this picture. When you read the lyrics, I mean, it's, it's, it's a story about two specific people, but really it could, it's a story about, you know, all of us. I mean, feelings we've all had about, you know, that, that desperation of, you know, wanting something, being in something that's not exactly what it's supposed to be and just pretending and just keep pretending and hoping that it'll one day be what you, what you wanted it to be all along. Instead of wearing you out. Instead, oh, and I love, that's the thing as I, I'm not, that's a, that's a, the trick where you are not a trick, but that, that thing where you change the chorus just subtly. And I know, um, cause it starts out, it's wearing her out then it's wearing him out. And then at the end it's him wearing out. me out. So yeah. Yeah, it's actually three people. It's those, it's the, the guy and the girl and then the narrator. Yeah. It's cool. And, uh, that line about, um, doing surgery on girls in the eighties, but gravity always wins is such a great like fakeness. Yeah. It just, you can't, beat it. you can't beat it. Cause what, what's more fake than the guy who puts, you know, breast implants into, into women who were in their prime in the eighties and now in the in 1995. Yep. And, and, uh, if I could be who you wanted, uh, that desperation of it, uh, of that and the fatigue of wearing them out is just a cool, very, very cool thing. All right, Andrew, we've dominated the conversation on this. What do you got here? Oh dear. Okay. Um, it's it's a brilliant. This song builds brilliantly throughout it. It's just a perfect example of um, thorough production. Um, it's one of the songs that any guitar player who was learning the guitar imagine you're fifteen years old. It's one of the songs you want to learn to play. Some of the chords aren't that easy to play, um, but he's got. This is a perfect example of Tom York's beautiful falsetto voice when he does Who Crumbles and Burns. He uses his falsetto there. He's got an angelic falsetto voice. And on this song, it just really, really shines through, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not really a massive lyrics guy. Um, for me, it was just the melody was so strong and it's such an emotive song. Um, and the way it builds, you kind of feel the emotion as the song builds. And that's what they do so well on this album is like, tap into the emotions of the listener yeah agreed this is my top score uh jeff what do you got <laughs> this is my nine um could have been top it, it's tough yeah. i hate it i hate this ben <laughs> <laughs> you're not supposed to say that you've done this I know, enough I you've know. done this, this enough times this album may have been actually the first time where i've felt it as difficultly as i think some of your guests do where this is one like i said top to bottom there's not a song i don't like there are songs I like less than others that that wasn't that hard, but there's a, a grouping of about six to eight that I I'm like, these are amazing. Uh, Andrew, your score nine. And then Wayne 11. All right. So spoiler alert. This is our top song. <laughs> All right. Uh, but we're going to continue. Here we go. Um, next song bones. And MVP for this song for me is Colin Greenwood. Yeah. I love the bass on this. Um, And I know I'm going to say this on a couple more songs coming up. Somebody help me with the lyrics on this one. What what do you mean help help with the lyrics? 
You want to in, in terms of what it means? Yeah, decipher it, co- decode it. Mean, it. it means, I think this one is, I feel like this one is about depression or fatigue and how you actually can physically feel those things. That's how I've always taken this song is that you have these things that are either mental exhaustion and the things, again, this is very much to me a callback to what they're going through with record label and everything else with, with the pressures of creep and those fatigue things, you can literally feel them in your bones. And if you've experienced depression or you've experienced fatigue, it, it hurts in a mm-hmm. way that is very sort of um, palpable. And you physically ache from it, and that's that's what I always have taken from this song. I when I when I read the lyrics and listened to it, I, I it had a definitely like a growing old feeling because, um, and I jumped that off of the Peter Pan reference, and then of course that you know aching bones. Uh, but once again, I think his lyrics, like I think Jeff is, I think what Jeff said is exactly right too. That you can put these in. That's what I think is some of the the best part of these lyrics is that they, it goes both ways. It could be a much more traditional songwriting subject, but it also has this real quickly cuts to what could be a much more personal and metaphoric uh, subject. All right. Andrew, what do you got on this one? Yeah, I, I agree with you about the bass. Um, <clears throat> the beginning of the song is brilliant. Um, it's, this is like what I would say is, is one of the, more indie sounding songs, you know, Britpop indie sounding guitar songs. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's about, because when you, when you listen to them give interviews around about the time of 1995, they, they just talk, I mean, particularly Tom York talks about the tiredness of, 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 of the, of the touring um, and the constant expectation on them. So I think I agree. It's like, it's, it's about tiredness and about feeling that um, growing older as well. But, Again, I, lo- I love the guitars as well and the chorus. Um, yeah. What is that reverberating thing that happens? I don't know how that's done, but that pulsating guitar thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? The um, I think so. It's just that like, it's almost like the guitar goes in a circle. I can't describe it any better than that, not being a musician, but it's like this, it's like a pinwheel kind of a feel like it feels around you or something. I don't know what it is, but it's super it might cool. be just a bit of, t- yeah, a bit delay, of delay mixed with some reverb. Yeah. Chorus. Yeah. Something like that. Super cool. But, um, yeah. All right. Um, scores, Jeff? Uh, this is my 10. Andrew? 10. Wayne? I'm, I'm going to keep it going. This was this was the one that I had never heard that I liked the most. Um, it definitely has a very solid alternative rock feel to it, but I gave it a 10 also. And I almost changed mine to a 10, <laughs> but mine's a 9. I had to be a little different than you guys. Cool. All right. Um Next song in parentheses, Nice Dream. Was there supposed to be a different title and this was just in parentheses? Anyone? <laughs> I'm not sure the answer to that. All right. Um, I'm just going to throw this out here, so I'm going to let you guys debate it. My, This is my least favorite song. All right, you guys go. Yeah, I, <laughs> it lacks something, yeah. Jeff? Um, it, well, I mean, I don't have it scored high, but again, there's, I don't, I, I like it a lot. It's very cool. It's haunting. To me, it feels like someone in a, like a treatment facility on meds kind of a feel. Um, and the lyrics are so, they're just super cool. Um, 
it, it's it's sort of like someone under someone else's control. They they dug me my very own garden, gave me sunshine, made me happy. You know, it's this idea of you know, it's almost like the mellow version of the I- ideas from fake plastic trees in a way. I think. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just kind of one of the more really good but just not as brilliant as the other songs on the album yep um you know it's still beautifully produced um his voice sounds amazing on this song too um again i can't fault any of these tracks to be honest but there you go uh, it's just it's just not as brilliant as the others (laughs) what's your score on this one andrew uh nice dream is five all right jeff uh this is my two and wayne this is also my two all right and then, spoiler alert, this is our least favorite song overall. All right. Um, next song is Just. You do it to yourself. You do. That's why it hurts. You do it to yourself. Just you. You and else. You do it to What's the story behind this song? Because I think the lyrics seem to be pretty specific, like it was written for someone, but it still comes across as me as pretty cryptic, like it's a lot of their other songs do. Anyone got anything? Well, I what I loved about the one line that I loved was don't get my sympathy, which automatically made me think of sympathy for the devil. And then you kind of look at some of the other lyrics about um you know, where it references he, he'll teach you how to, to be a holy cow or uh, that and there's, and teach you how to get to the purest hell. Or, so there's, I definitely think it's about, because there's also a, you know, a, what does it say? Something about, you know, don't make me, or you do it to yourself. So I thought it was, that'll, we always maybe put bad things on somebody's, somebody else and maybe ultimately you did it to yourself. But I thought the devil yeah. was involved or evil or something. If it, it feels like it's addressing somebody who sort of is playing a victim card to me. It always has that idea of, yeah. you know, putting yourself in bad situations over and over again and then wanting to talk about it and complain about it. And you, you do it to yourself. You do it to yourself. And, and that's the thing that comes through for me as palpable. It's just like you keep coming back for more, you know, take yourself out of the situation. It wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be that way if you didn't continue to do it. Uh, this is another one I can't separate from the music video very well. It's it's one of this is one of my all time favorite music videos. Yep, I think it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, it's 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 so good. The, the man lying down on the sidewalk. The way that they use the subtitles in in this to tell the story while the song is still going on is just super cool. Uh, so yeah, you want to hear my notes on this, Jeff? Yeah, Jeff. I think your high score for this has something to do with the music video, doesn't it? Um, it's both. It's definitely it's music. I love this song though. I love yeah. the ferociousness of this song. Uh, I think it's the one that just again it, it starts out sort of mellow and then it just goes into these breakdowns. And in the video, you see like the Tom York kind of um, standard freakout kind of thing. And, right. and same thing with with Johnny Greenwood. Uh, you know, there's a ferociousness with this song that I absolutely adore. And this was released as a single, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't see any chart position for this. However, um, Mark Ronson redid this song, and it charted twice 
once by Mark himself and then once when he collaborated with Phantom Planet. And it didn't chart over here in the UK. Andrew, do you, do you recall hearing Mark Ronson's versions? I have never heard that song um, of him doing just. Okay. I was just curious. It it didn't chart super high, 48 uh, in 2006, which was just marked by himself. And then his um, his take with Phantom Planet peaked at 31. So not, okay. not, not, not super memorable. I did listen to him. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my Radiohead versions. I would say as a, as a musical kind of song, I would say this is for me was just a, it's just a little bit too aggressive part of the record. You know, it's, 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 it's the most indie they get, I think on, 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 on this album, it's the most guitar based they get. And for me, it just kind of loses a little bit of the more emotive parts of the album. But again, it's still a great song. <laughs> yeah. So to your more of the emotive type yeah. of, Yeah. For me, this just is a bit more. It's a guitar song. It's it's a, it's sort of indie rock. Um, you know, still still a great song. But it's for me, this album is more about the feelings that I get from listening to the songs. And this one doesn't quite have the same as others. That's it. Have you yeah, seen different. Have you seen the music video on this one, Andrew? Do you know what? I haven't. I've seen all the other music videos. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's oh, great. You got to watch will, it. I'll definitely. Will, it's yeah. so good. And this is the. This is the fifth most played song off of this album live, and it also is above everything but two on OK Computer. This is the most played album in general live for them uh, in terms of stats. Like they've, they've played songs off this album 3,219 times to 2,756 for OK Computer. Hmm. So this is, you know, this is definitely okay. the album that, that does that, but just as high up there on, on songs that they play live. I guess it's because it gets the crowd going, going crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a good rock song. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew, your score? Um, one. No, two, two, two. And then Jeff? I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum. It's his second least favorite. It's my second favorite. It's 11. Yeah. And then Wayne? Uh, yeah, I'm up near closer to Jeff with a nine. Like I say, I love all the guitars in this. Like like Andrew had said, there's an acoustic doing a rhythm and a, uh, an electric doing a rhythm and then the electric lead. I thought they really worked all those guitars together. Great. The yeah. funny thing is I, I suspect that um, for the reasons that Andrew mentioned, I suspect he and I are going to have the same favorite. Um, no, I'm guessing that. we don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Interesting. Oh yeah. This is, this is where our, our conversation gets really fun. All right. All right. Uh, this is, this is my eight. All right, so next song is My Iron Lung. Looking at scores, I like this way more than you guys did. Uh, this was on their EP, which came out before this full-length record came out. Yeah. Uh, and the EP was called? My Iron Lung. Airbag. My Iron Lung. Oh, no, this was the, oh, this was the My Iron Lung EP. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Airbag was after OK Computer. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So there's something about this song. I like the 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 
just kind of schizophrenic energy that goes along with this. Um, I don't, and I still don't really know what it's about, <laughs> but I, but I just like it. It's about creep. hundred percent. Here's Tom York. What he said, this is a song okay. about, this is a song about turning out the same old shit to make money. Tom York live at pink pop 2000. That's what he said about it. Okay. This is song, yeah. It's a creep response. Uh, the, the lyrics, this, this is our new song. Just like the last one, a total waste of time, my iron lung. And, and you know, it's, it's that idea of creep was their iron lung. It's we're grateful for our iron lung. The thing that provides us oxygen. Um, mm-hmm. But we're stuck to it. We're we're tied to this machine that gives us oxygen. The inch, th- this one, uh, the freak out part of it reminds me a ton of Heart Shaped Box. Yes. Um, the hey wait, I got a new complaint. His freak out um, section of this reminds me of that a lot. And I went back and listened to it and compared them, and they have a very similar quality to the way he does that. So Jeff, considering that you and I are both Wilco fans, this has a very wilco-esque feel to it a la yankee hotel foxtrot right yeah the fuzzy guitars yeah um yeah you could definitely hear like a, a nils uh klein on it type feel um it's a great great song it's a really great song yeah wayne what do you got and i love i love that the beatly part of that song um but i get what you're saying about the uh what he's trying to create by going to that that because it reminded me of corn. It just was too different. And I. Ooh, no. What? I'm just saying, what? It just is. You know what? Calm down. I'm sticking with Calm my. Down. I'm sticking with my Nirvana I, I comparison. And I, I get I'm it. sticking with my Wilco. And that's fine. But it was more of. <laughs> it's just so different that it. Because I. I'm really liking what I got. It's got that cool walking baseline and and this real kind of, you know, strawberry fields beetle kind of thing going on. And then it just. And then it, it it erupts, and I it was too different. And I still like the song, but I I just wish there was a subtler way. I get why they did it. I love the lyrics and 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 that whole imagery of that one song being this iron lung, this old this this thing that keeps you alive, but it's cumbersome. It's huge. It, you're you're tied to it. Yes, I think that's all brilliant. I just wish that break was somewhere in between where it is and what they were doing in the, in the verse part. Now, have you noticed that Andrew's been very quiet on this one? <laughs> Suspiciously. So this is my, um, lowest scoring song, but again, it's, um, it doesn't reflect the fact that it's not a good song. It's just that when you compare it to the others, it doesn't for me have, um, the same emotive impact when I'm listening to it. And also the, the, the sort of, the breakdown part, um, it just, for me, it just doesn't really work. Um, but, and also the, the, the actual guitar riff, you know, that sort of one that comes after he sings my iron lung. I'm not really a big fan of the actual riff. Um, yeah. so that, that's the only reason why I marked it as my lowest, you know, um, that's it really. Yeah. Wayne, who knew that for our guests, because we we say this all the time that you're the you're the rock and punk guy, and I'm the Americana. Who knew that I would be more rock than one of our guests? <laughs> I knew it would happen one day. One day, yeah, it happened today. So thank you, Andrew. You gave me that's some fine. You gave me some cred with that's Wayne. Fine. Know, that's that's <laughs> a strong word. I know. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll be working on that cred thing until the day I die. All right. Um, 
This is my 11. Jeff? Uh, this started out as my three and climbed all the way to seven the more I listened to everything. Very cool. All right. We already got Andrews and Wayne. Part of it's higher, part of it's lower. At the end, it settled at seven. All right. Next song is Bulletproof. I wish I was. So the next three songs on this album in sequence for me are probably the three best album songs I have ever heard in sequence that work with each other. Um, I I don't disagree with that. The sequencing is amazing for these three songs. Yeah. I mean, I just, and when I get to these kind of songs, I start thinking um, as a musician, particularly, I wish I could write a song like that. You know, when you, when you hear a song like that, then you know, it's, it's brilliant. And it's so hard to score these three songs for me. Um, but it's Bulletproof is it's just such a beautiful piece of music. Um, it's, it, it makes you feel sort of um, sad, um, happy, um, uplifted. It gives you all the emotions. But what really annoys me is that when you sometimes see these songs and people say, oh, well, it's depressing, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the music's depressing. But um, Tom York... Ha- says stuff about this it's like don't don't call our music depressing because you're de- you're demeaning what depression is because you know out of depression can come brilliant things and also people who feel depressed can be uplifted by it so don't you do you know what i mean so don't yeah. don't use that word it's just it's just beautifully written emotive music um it, it's yeah so this is just the beginning of the first three brilliant songs for me <laughs> and it's very shoegazy yes very my bloody Valentine, I would say on on this one. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the song you think. Well, this could have been at the end of this album. It could have been instead of Street Spirit. It would still be brilliant. It could have been second. It would still be brilliant. It doesn't. It could have gone anywhere, really. Yeah, Wayne, this was your least favorite. So I'm um, putting you on the spot. I I just you know what it. I really like fake plastic trees, and it it just to me uh, it felt like an uninspired fake plastic trees. I'm not trying to cause any trouble with Jeff. I just, I did, I didn't, I didn't, I thought, I thought it was something they, that they did really well on a different track. And I thought they didn't do it. It's, it seemed like going to the well and it didn't, it didn't come out for me. I, I just think it's a really beautiful song about vulnerability. It just doesn't score terribly high for me on this album. Um, again, this is a, this is a great album to me and this is a great song. All right, let's get some scores then. Uh, I already put Wayne on the spot, so Wayne, your score? One. Andrew? Eight. Jeff? Uh, Five. And this is my four. And then next song is Black Star. I like the fade in of this song. I can't put my finger on who has also done that technique that I liked, but I dig it. Brilliant. Um, 
And I, this was the one that was produced by Nigel Godrich on the on the album. Okay. So this is, and I'll talk about, I'll talk about, there's another song coming up that I feel like um, kind of sets the stage for future Radiohead, but I totally see where this is, this is going in that, in that direction. Um, I almost use for the introduction for, for Wayne, uh, he, he's the man with the troubled words of a troubled mind. And I try and understand what's eating him. But I didn't. I didn't. I would have kind of a little so. cl- too close to home, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and then I like the continuation of that. That I try to stay awake, but it's fifty-eight hours since since that I last slept with you. Yeah, at least. I wasn't going to use that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew. What do you got on this one? Right. So we're getting into the high-scoring parts of this. Yes. Um, this experience for me. So. What a brilliant set of lyrics. I get home from work and you're still standing there in your dressing gown. Well, what am I to do? It's just, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, And again, it's like they they have that really lovely introduction, goes to the bass, slow pumping rhythm, and then his voice is soaring over it. And then um, blame it on the satellite that beams me home. And then they come back to that intro part as well and then it goes back down to the bass it's just so brilliantly produced um and again so emotional you know when tom york gets to those parts of his voice where he sort starts to soar when he starts to soar like that that's when i think he, he becomes right at his best for me yeah jeff what do you got on this one um uh, another line i like. I think this is great lyrically it really cool lyrically it seems like again it's between two lovers and i i feel like there's a big mix of depression in here and how people deal with depression. But I love the line. I get on the train and I just stand about now that I don't think of you, but he's thinking of her as he's singing it. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, Joni Mitchell's um, you, you're so vain. You think that you probably think the song is about Carly Simon or Carly Simon. No, sorry. Uh, it's, it's, it's like that. It's, it's that idea of like, as soon as you sing it about him, it is about him at some level. And that's what that line is to me too. It's, it's a cool song, very cool atmospheric song. Um, uh, you know, just uh, really, really good, good uh, production quality, like was mentioned already. Yeah, I feel bad about my five. Yeah, this is the one that I didn't. I, I, this is a much better song. I liked it a lot more than my score would indicate. I thought that the story yeah. is, you know, is super well done. And like I say, it's, it's, this her being depressed is, is, and how it wears on him, and how it, it, it affects him. And his life, you know, from this the beginning of the you know day to the end of the day, um, yeah. I this one, I, I really it was it was tough to score this because I really did like the song. It wears them out. Wears it wears them out. I feel like I've we've we've heard that yeah. lyric before. Um, all right, uh, Andrew, what was your score? Eleven. And Jeff, did I get yours? No, uh, mine's a three on this. Again, much lower than I'd like. It just is what it is. Yeah. All right. What was Wayne's? Six. Wayne's was what? Six. Yeah. And yours, what was yours, Ben? Five. Which I feel bad about my score because I do like it more than my five, but all right. Uh, next song, Sulk.
Andrew, considering you keep, you keep using the word emotive, um, <laughs> this would this would uh, this would explain a lot with that. This is your this is your top song. Yeah, this is um, this is as far as I'm concerned, particularly the chorus is one of the best pieces of rock uh, production and writing because you have at the same time as Tom York's voice is soaring, you've got these brilliantly played um, electric guitar parts are going up and up, up and up the guitar until um, it gets higher and higher. And it just, the lyrics match the music and match the production. Um, and it's, it's just, it just makes you feel so good when you hear it. Um, as I said, this is the part where Tom York hits his best parts of his voice for me. And really, you know, we talk about the music of radio, you talk about the, the players, they are all as musicians, brilliant musicians, but his vocal talent is extraordinary. You know, the way he can get falsettos and the tone of his voice is it's just brilliant. And, um, you know, this is one of the best songs I think I've ever heard. Um, so and I listen to a lot of music. So <laughs> that's how that, you know, that I've listened to so many different types of music. So and as a songwriter, I think I'm even super critical. So it's just it's just for me, it's just. It's just close to close to being perfect music so this song, what killing. what is the big wall that they're referring to the, the biting through the big wall and the big wall is biting back maybe it's maybe it's to do with to do with depression again um well this one the big wall the big wall bites back i mean i haven't i haven't sat and analyzed the lyrics because for me melodically this song is beautiful yeah. Um, for, for context this was written as a response to the the hungerford massacre in in 87 I didn't know that. Yeah, Michael Ryan, uh, he shot and killed 16 people, including killing his mom. He wounded 15 more and killed himself. Uh, in, right. Yeah, so that's that's what it's uh, written as a response to. And that story, yeah. to me, makes it interesting. I just um, I don't disagree with anything that you've said at all on it. I absolutely agree. It's a gorgeous song. It really shows off his vocals. I just don't feel like it goes far enough in terms of the story. And I, I feel like it feels like a short song in a way. Um, and it, I wanted to hear m more out of it. I, I love this song and yet it's my number one. Um, so I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from oh, you. Wow. But I, again, I, I love this album and I love every song on this album. And the one had to go somewhere and here's where it's at. I mean, it was as high as a four or five at one point, I think. And then it ended up at my one, but I think part of why it ended up at the one is that, it just it, it it I wanted more, even more from it of the things that you're talking about. Is it because um, the word sulk could be also known as theme song of 2020? <laughs> I don't know. No, because I like it. I, I like the emotive parts that, that Andrew likes as well. I, yeah. I like the feeling of the song. And um, I do love his vocals, especially, you know, the um, uh some things never change or I'm trying to think of the lyric, but it's his vocals are really cool on this song, yeah. but it's just so many songs on this album that I love that it just, it's just where it kind of landed. I finally stumbled it at one. And if I listen to it for another week, it might be a five. Yeah. All right. So we got uh, Jeff and Andrew's uh, polarizing scores. Wayne, your score. Uh, I'm, I'm down closer to Jeff again. I, I can say I, I did come away with a, bigger appreciation for the radio head that I wasn't familiar with. This is a, another song just like black star that I, I really liked and was, was disappointed to see that all I had left were three and a four. So I gave it a four. Yeah. Yeah. This is my two. All right. Um, 
last song, so we're going to wrap this up, is Street Spirit, in parentheses, Fade Out. So, Jeff, I, this is the song that, to me, sounds more like what I've heard after this album for Radiohead. Um, I don't. I get what you're saying. I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. This is one of my favorite album closers ever, um, and it's one of my favorite songs. Period. It's it's probably in my top ten or top twenty songs ever. Um, it, it's to me, it's just an absolutely gorgeous song that. Um, um, it, it it's it's one of my favorite and i like the way it closes on this this sort of mellow pensive song i like the way the albums do that a lot of times um according to york it was inspired by rem and i can feel that inspiration in this uh the music video again very very cool music video um out in the desert with sort of playing around with with slow down and and speed up type of imagery uh, jonathan glazer directed it who again a lot of really cool music videos the jamiroquai virtual insanity video hmm. Um, this may be my very, very favorite road trip at sunset song ever. If I'm driving somewhere at sunset, I switch it over to this right away, just immediately. And it's also my, one of my favorite airplane songs, uh, as I'm trying to just sort of relax and mellow out. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous song to me. Interesting. Peter Gabriel covered it for his, uh, scratch my back project. Oh, really? And, uh, Radiohead did not reciprocate, apparently not liking his version. And I don't like it either. It's really, it's this very weird, sparse piano take. Um, it's slow. It's almost a Leonard Cohen talking quality kind of a thing. It's like a weird musical theater version of it or something. It's, well, it's, it's a it's lot weird. Yeah. A lot of that album is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very weird experimental album. And it, he sings this one very weird and off key. And Radiohead just stopped responding to him <laughs> after they heard it. They were like, we're not doing one of yours. Interesting. I'll have to. I'll have to go check that out. It's been a while since I've I've listened to that whole that whole record. But um, Wayne, you got anything on Street Spirit? No, other than this isn't gonna this isn't gonna make Jeff any happier. But I, what I, the thing I didn't like, I thought it was a great name. Ex- I expect nothing more from you. I thought it was a great name I, for the for the last the last the last song of this record. I thought it was a great name, but. Number one, it goes on for four, four over four minutes, and then they end abruptly. They didn't even fade out. Four whole minutes? <laughs> that that was too much for you? I'm just yeah, at this point it is. At I ex- this point, I wanted something. I wanted something to end this. I, I expect nothing better than to be disappointed by you at this point. <laughs> I know. I, I wish I could do something about it. <laughs> I think it's my cross to bear. <laughs> All right, Andrew, you get the final word on this uh, on this song. What what do you got? Um, a beautiful song. Um, again, one of the best um, ending of an album songs I've heard, so I agree about that. It's just not as good as the others, but still brilliant. I mean, the drum beat is so lovely. You know, that tapping cross-stick drum beat that goes all the way through the song. I've tried to, to get something even close to that in my own songs, but it's it's just so unique to their sound. You know, this is just their sound. Um, it, it, just, it just didn't do it quite like the others did, but it's still great, so... So, Nigel, if you're listening, Andrew wants some help <laughs> on his next record. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jeff, your score? That's my 12. 
All right. And Andrew? Six. And then Wayne? Three. And I'm matching your three. I don't understand. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) There was no question when you assigned me this album. I knew it right off the bat. Uh, Street Spirit would be my top song. The rest of them were, were tough. Can I, can I just can I just ask you in terms of that song, Jeff? Is it is it does it attach to something um, for you emotionally in terms of why you say that's the one, or is it just literally the music of it, or is it a time you listen to it, or has it got anything more to that to it? I just fell in love with this when I got the album in '95. Okay. Uh, I was 21 years old, and this was a huge, huge album for me. And it's the one right away that um, I just connected with the feel of the music. I spend way less time with the lyrics on this one. And it's just the way that this song makes me feel. Um, I, I, I just love it. It's a very sort of almost, um, almost meditational kind of quality that I get out of it. I feel very peaceful when I listen to this song. Um, for whatever reason, like I said, I love to listen to it in a road trip. I love to listen to it on a flight. Um, it's, it's on, more of my playlist for that kind of stuff than almost anything else. And it's, it's one of my all time favorite songs. I'm going to guess that the national and Bon Iver is also on that playlist. Oh yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah. Bon Iver is another one. It's just amazing. Yep. Musicians. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Are you a national fan, Andrew? No, but I'm massive. I'm a massive Bon Iver fan. Um, I would say that I, I say this to music people quite frequently that Justin Vernon is one of the best living musicians uh, I hundred percent agree with you. Yep. Uh, he is going to be looked. He is going to be looked back at as one of the most talented songwriters and producers that we've ever seen. Have you listened to his duet with um, Taylor Swift off of her new album? No. You should listen to oh it. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. I'm not a Taylor Swift person. This is the first album that I've really dove in and listened to. But his song with her, "Exile," it is gorgeous. Okay. Absolutely okay. gorgeous. Cool. You have to check it out. And I, I'm the same with you with Bon Iver. He's brilliant as far as I'm concerned. But if you haven't been listening to the, to the National, I would listen to them as well. I think you'll I think you'll dig them. I hear them on playlists, Spotify playlists. Sometimes they the National comes off of things I like. You know, they, they choose songs that sound similar. So obviously yep. is in my in my uh, thing. But just on Justin Vernon again, his falsetto, his falsetto yes. voice is just so unique. I mean, it really have you seen is. him live? No, but I watch. There's this one called NPR. Uh, I think it's obviously a, a US. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The NPR Live. There's an NPR Live show, and he's he's using loop effects. He's using um, octave pedals on his voice. He's doing so many amazing things live. It's, if you get a chance to see him live, they are phenomenal. Oh, I've seen him twice, and it is him. just yeah. mind blowing. Again, you don't know how he's going to do a lot of that stuff live. You're like, how do you pull this off? But the band is amazing. They're just phenomenal. I made a fool of myself a couple of weeks ago. Wayne, Wayne can attest to this. So <laughs> we, a couple weeks ago, huh? yeah, we were, we were, uh, we were doing an episode with, uh, the musician dope, Doparo, And she has a song called the wind, which is one of my favorite songs. I, I just love it. And I said, so my notes here, Doe are, this is a song that I bet Boney Vare wishes he would have written. She, and she goes, <laughs> You know he helped me with that song, right? Oh no! <laughs> so, uh, uh, what, what's that song called? The Wind. And who's the artist? Do Paro. Okay, well, I think I'll you have to song. check it out. It's it's such a gorgeous song. Was it, was that song on a Netflix series? Um, it may have been. I think it might have been on a. Uh, 
I think I know that song. That's a lovely yeah. song. Uh, it's he lovely. Turns to gold. Everything he touches turns to gold. Yes, absolutely. All right. Um, we haven't wrapped this Radiohead thing up. Let's. Um, so I already. <laughs> so I already told you, fake plastic trees. That's our top song. Any guesses? Number two. Uh bones maybe. Bones. We all like bones. Yep. Bones is bones is number two. Bones are high. Bones are high and dry. One of those two, I think. High and dry is three. Fourth is just, even though um Andrew probably disagrees on that. Uh Iron Lung. Oh, Andrew also disagrees on that. Iron Lung was our fifth. So um sorry, Andrew, we kind of tanked Black Star and Sulk for you. That's fine. And, Wait, where did Street Spirit end up? Uh that was our seventh song. Are you sure? You gave it a three. <laughs> Wayne gave it a three. And and, right? And Andrew gave it a six. And I gave it a 12. So that's like a 5.25, which should be the same thing as just, I think, isn't it? Nope. It's not? Nope. Mm. you telling me I okay. need to be double-checking his scores, Jeff? I think so. <laughs> I think it's- you know what? I never have done that, and I just relied on his honesty. And I'm, I just, I'm listening I just to you with the math. I think I may have to start writing this down. I just rely on my expert uh, Excel um, skills. So along with my nunchuck skills and my bow okay. hunting skills. Uh, all right. Maybe I've got something wrong then. All right. Fair enough. Look, if you that's a great song, that's a great song and people should be listening <laughs> to it. That's what I'm telling you right now. I am passionate you, about it. Can I just check? Are you disagreeing with this general score then? Are you? I can't, I can't work it out. You're telling us we're wrong. <laughs> I like you, Andrew. I like you. <laughs> there you go. All right. Andrew, this has been a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for, for coming on and, um, you know, definitely want to, want to, to give you an opportunity to promote away. So tell, tell people where they can find uh, all your happenings. Oh, it's um, Spotify, Apple music. Just type Andrew Maxwell Morris. Um, if you type in Andrew Maxwell Morris, I don't think there is another Andrew Maxwell Morris. So everything is there. So, all right. And you're, uh, you're on the socials. I'm on the socials. I'm not massively active on the socials. I find it very difficult to, to, to play that game. Uh, if you know what I mean, to sort of keep something relevant, keep something, active it's hard but i'll give it a go (laughs) well we know all about that yeah yeah um i will say this andrew if if you do want to get um internet all in a tizzy just say something about cheap trick being a power pop band okay yeah (laughs) so uh i got some good response yesterday when I uh I said i think they're a power pop band and i got quite a few people telling me that no they're a rock band did you upset um, uh, Richard Marks again? Did that happen? No, 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 no. Okay, well, nothing that. Good. I'm trying to stay on his good graces. So, <laughs> I guess right. if you say something that polarizes people, that's when you get attention, which is not great, is it? Really, uh, <laughs> you've got to say something that people disagree with. Yeah, um, to get responses to what you say. But I don't know. Sometimes it's fun to poke the bear. True. <laughs> True. Yeah. All good. All right. So as a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. Oh, go ahead. Remember, I'm going to plug something real quick. I'm Uh, I'm giving you an opportunity. Hold on. Okay. All right. Well, go ahead. You you, 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 you ruined my mojo here. I'm sorry, Ben. I just thought you were rolling to the end with that. I just wanted to real quick plug my, uh, I have a new podcast. 
It'll be launching um, uh, by the time that this episode is out. It'll be up and and running. It's called Who Did It First, uh, and we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WDIF Pod. Uh, so check that out. It's a it's a comedy conversation information podcast about the first person to milk a cow, invented pillows, uh, refrigerators, toupees. Those are our first four episodes. So go check that out. Excellent. All right. Now can I do my spiel? I will allow that. I will allow it. Please move forward. All right. So uh, you can find all of our happenings on the socials. Uh, We do play the game, or at least we try. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Podcast Records on Twitter. Wayne, where can they find us on Instagram? Records Revisited Podcast. And, of course, you can find us on all of the major podcast platforms. Go subscribe and rate or review us. So thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. But when you're saving your money on concert tickets, go buy a T-shirt of the band and buy a record. Um, Maybe one from Andrew Maxwell Morris, right? You got some vinyl? Yeah, I've got some. It's coming out. It's going out soon. I've got some T-shirts going out soon. So, yeah, that would be amazing. Perfect. All right. We are Records Revisited, and we are... Out. Out. Out.